This coming week's parsha is Chayei Sarah, the life of Sarah. But in this parsha is mentioned, ah, huh? absolutely, yeah, a few years ago. Chayei Sarah, we are going to get a, a look into the life of Abraham and Sarah, how the Torah summarizes their lives of both of them separately. But for us, it's basically ends up to be the, almost the same message or even the same message. Let's start with source number one and we'll get, get into it. Take it to heart. Source one. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, coming on in years. Sarah had stopped having her periods. Abraham was old, coming on in years, and God blessed Abraham and everything. Okay. That's what we say in Rosh Chodesh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. And then the first one, Abraham was, that was before Isaac was born. Right? The first one. And now Abraham and Sarah were old. She didn't get the period, and therefore she was shocked. Then God told them that she's having a child. That was when she was 90 years old. The second time when it's written, and Abraham was old, advanced in his years, is written in the parsha that's coming parsha of this week, and already Sarah passed away. It was after the Akeda, after Isaac's the binding of Isaac, after being ready to sacrifice Isaac. At that time, Abraham was how old? New. No. 100, he had 137 years old when it was the Akeda. Then it was right after the Akedah. It was 137 and a half. 137. God says he was, he was then. The question is, you said, when you, you said that they were old when they were 90. And Sarah was 90. And Abraham was 100. Now it's another 38 years past. Well, again, oh, what, what, are you telling, what, what are you saying again? They were old. We didn't hear about that. They were old already before. <laughs> didn't, you, didn't your children tell you 30 years ago, you're old. You don't understand the young world. In the world. 48 years, right? Yeah. 38. She was, he was, he was 100. 90. No, she was 90. Oh, she, she was, was 100. 90. Yeah, yeah. Then that's a problem. Go ahead. Now he's old. <laughs> In the previous Torah portion of... <laughs> Again. Now he's old? That's a question mark. Now he's older. In the previous Torah portion of Vayera, the verse already said that Abraham and Sarah were old coming on in years. If they were already old before Isaac was born... Then now, at the time of the binding of Isaac, 38 years later, Abraham was certainly old, coming on in years. Why then does the verse in our Torah portion need to state that Abraham was old? Yeah, the same thing. The Torah doesn't repeat the same thing twice for, for no reason. There must be, there is a message there. There is a reason why the Torah is repeating it. Coming, in, coming on in years. We first need to understand the meaning of the words coming on in years. Yeah, it's a strange expression. Avram Zaken. Zaken means old. Then there is another expression, Babayamim. Babayamim means he came, he coming with his ears. What does this mean exactly, coming with his ears? That's what he tried to understand. It possibly means that age was catching up with him? Well, yeah, something like this, you're getting somewhere. Coming in his ears. Go ahead. The school teachers explain that this means extreme old age, meaning Abraham wasn't just old, he was coming on in years, with additional years on top of his old age. He was very old, not just old, very old. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but. The truth, but the truth is that uh, this explanation isn't viable. King David is... What? 
Yeah, David yeah. is also described as old, coming on in years, and he only lived 70 years, certainly not extreme old age. In the Aftorah, we're going to read this Shabbat, in Chai the Aftorah is about King David, of his, before his passing. And it's written about him, Vamelech David Zaken, and the King David, King David is old, Baba Yamim, the same expression, coming into his ears. King David lived only 70 years. 70 years is old, oh, not here. Hmm. Now, many years ago, when I was a very young man, I said I met an old lady, she was 70 years old. There's somebody from the congregation, one old lady tells me, 70 is old! And I learned a big time, big lesson. No more old. No more giving people titles. Then, obviously, coming in his ears doesn't mean that he's very old, because David was also like this. Okay. Um, Mr. Sharp, you mind to continue? Mm-hmm. King David, yeah, King David took life, life to heart. heart. Rather, we can explain that coming on in years is intended literally that he came into the years, like we would say about someone that he came into the house. Meaning, coming, he comings in, Baba Yamin, Balabait, he came into the house, meaning, I'm sorry. Meaning, this isn't a description of the number of years, but a description of the person's lifestyle during these years. Ah, the lifestyle, that's what it's all about. Okay, can explain. This means that he entered the years and events that he experienced. These weren't just passing events that left no impression on him, Rather, he entered every day and every event and lived with them, taking them to heart. All of the days impacted him, the good ones made him happy, and the negative ones had the opposite effect. This even leaves a clear mark on the features of the person's face. Ah, Baba, I mean, there are some people, they live, nothing bothers them. Life is great. The world can come to an end. It doesn't like to affect them. They're happy, they're living their life. By 100 years old, they look like they just woke up. Mm. They just were born. Mm. Other people get woke up about every little thing. Everything affects them, and they take to heart, and they are stressed about it. Good things, happy things make them really happy. Sad things make them really sad. And you can see it in them. Yes. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience. <laughs> then then this, is, this means Baba Yamim. The Baba Yamim means that somebody mm. takes it to, to, to his heart. You know, we, we see it. Okay, continue. One more paragraph. We can see this clearly in the fact that there can be two people of the same age, but one looks older than the other. This is because the effects of the life experiences of the older one are apparent in his appearance because he took every event to heart. Two people the same age. Why one person looks 10 years older than the other one? Valium. Because, huh? Valium. It's because he takes things to his heart. Yeah. Where other people don't. With other person, he's more relaxed. He doesn't take things to his heart. Everything is good. He doesn't care. And even with, when bad things, it just it doesn't affect him. Then you see it also in the story of Jacob. Jacob, remember the story, came to Egypt. And... Joseph take him to, took him to see Pharaoh. What was Pharaoh's question? Why do you look so old, right? Didn't he say something like that? Literally, what was the question? Who are you? How old are you? How old are you? Very good. The expression was, the Rebbe once explained it. Why wouldn't you ask somebody walks into you, ask him, how old are you? What is this? 
And who cares? He was asking him, you look older than your age. How old are you? Why you look so old? Rabbi is the expression in Yiddish. Why are you so wrinkled? <laughs> Why you look so old? What, what Jacob answered? I had a very hard life. That's what he said. I look old because I went through a lot of Torahs, and the Torahs affected me. That's why I look old. Older than my age, so to speak. He was only 130 then. <laughs> now he asked him why I look so old. I had a lot of mileage on my life, on my body. And that's what, that's what it means to be, because he took, he, took to, he, he took every experience that he has to his heart. You know, I read articles about uh, interviews with people who are very old, like I'm talking about 115, 112, 110. Usually they're very relaxed people. Right. They don't take everything to the heart. They are very happy. Oh, it's great. How my kids are doing? Amazing. Anybody takes care of you? Yeah, I'm good. Everything is good. Nothing is bad. No stress. No, zero stress, usually. Then I, I am serious. I was, and I looked, I, over the years, I read quite a few interviews, and I saw it's almost a trend of people who live very long, that people don't take things to, don't take things to heart. They're taking everything. Everything is good. Everything is okay. No, no problems. Then people get, get upset about everything. <laughs> that's a whole different story. Okay, that's why Abraham was Baba Yamim. He came in his ears. Okay, this is why King David. Want to continue? I mean, this is. Go ahead. This is why King David is described as coming on here, even though he only lived to 70, because the many tribulations that he endured, including numerous wars, aggravation from his sons, etc., left a mark on him, making him coming on in years. See, King David had a lot of choice in his life. He was, he was uh, ostracized by his brothers and by his father. Then when he, was, he became a son-in-law to King, to, to king Saul, Saul wanted to kill him. Then later when he became finally a king, first of all, so he had a lot of wars with the Philistines and everything. He killed Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. wasn't an easy thing to do. <laughs> and then he had his kids at a, a rebellion against them. That was terrible. King David had a very hard life. Then by the age of 70, he was already wiped out. He's, the age of... The days, the years, had an effect on him. He took it seriously. Continue. Abraham took life to heart, even after he Based on the above, we can understand why the verse in our portion states that Abraham was old, coming on in years, even though the verse in the previous portion already stated that Abraham and Sarah were old, coming on in years. It is natural that as a person ages, they become more wise and mature, and they stop taking every event so seriously. In addition, older people have also endured a lot already, so they tend to no longer ascribe much weight to external. Right? The job, the belt really should be, as you're getting older, everybody goes, oy, 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 just relax, relax, walk the south. Mm. We already were there before. We know that. Don't worry about it. Don't get so worked up about it. Then why, you should why go ahead. had a very hard life. Why he, what, what we know about his life, like we know about Jacob and he's kind of like, we can see why it was so hard. What about... Abraham, I'll tell you. First of all, when he was a young boy, he discovered God. He discovered that there is a God. It was a journey that started when he was three years old and ended when he was 48. 
In this journey, everybody was against him. And he had to prove himself and prove again and again. Then there is a story with the, he was thrown into the furnace, right? He, was, he once broke his father's idols. His father reported them to the governor, Nimrod, and Nimrod threw him into the furnace. And he came out alive. You understand? It was a little experience that uh, left a left, uh, dent and end. Little, little scar, right? Just a little scar, exactly. Then God told him, he left, he left uh, Ur-Kazdim, he left uh, um, the, uh, Iraq, and he came to Turkey. And from Turkey, his father was there, he left his, fa- he left his family, he came to Israel. And he came to Israel, it was a famine, he came to Egypt. In Egypt, his, his wife was taken. And then she, he gave, Pharaoh gave her back, and he... It was a whole, then he married Hagar, then it was the whole story, the whole saga with Ishmael. Then, and then finally he, married, he had, gave birth to Isaac. Fregnish, there's plenty on his plate. So, so, so pre-flood, life was a lot simpler. Absolutely, they that's li- why they lived a, a thousand lived years. Longer, they didn't eat Yeah, life was sleep. great before, before flood. There was no yeah, weather or change. Yeah, huh? They were terrible people, though. That's why, because they had everything <laughs> good, everything good. Life was good, they, they, they were there. There was no climate change problems. Everything was like beautiful <laughs> weather every day. No rules, nothing. So I, I understand that that means that if things are getting better, we're going to become terrible people. Is this the pattern? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's that we hope, hopefully that this time we we'll learn from experience not to become terrible people. But it's, a very, it's very tempting. Yes, very tempting to become bad when things are very good. You think you, think you don't need God. I'm the boss. I know. I'm this. And you forget who gives you everything. And, you, and everybody is so strong, you know, when you get a little shvach, you remember every minute you need God. Mm. This almost sounds like it's a negative. What? Right? To take everything to heart. Yes. Every, it's, it's negative. It is, it's, it's a, there is a negative and a positive to us, you see. It's a negative because you should not take... The question is, what should you take to heart? We, usually, we, should take, we shouldn't take to heart physical things who are not... Not really important. Not everybody who insulted us have to take two out and not to sleep because of that. Or not everything that happens, little thing happens the wrong way. We take too much, people take two out, they take too many things to out. They should never <coughs> take two out. If they have true faith in God, they shouldn't be bothered by this. Then Kevin won't have a job. <laughs> Very true. Don't worry, he will have a job. Believe me, he will have a job. I wish he wouldn't have a job. He'd <laughs> just be more angelic. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 but on the other end, yes, we should be, we'll get to it, that spiritual things we should take to heart. We shouldn't be called to a spiritual experience. And as do, a Jew is doing a mitzvah, he shouldn't be sitting by the side and, okay, again. <laughs> get excited about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, again, matzah, oh, again, we, it's already a year, he turns to his wife, it's already a year. I thought it's only six months. Again, matzah. <laughs> Again, the holidays. I tell people I wouldn't mind if the holidays would be once in four years like the Olympics. <laughs> so much work. It's a lot of sin in four years. That you have to You're right. That's for. a problem. That's why we need it every year. <laughs> they might move it up to six months. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't overdo it. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, where are we? Uh, therefore. Go ahead. Oh, therefore, even after it's been stated that Abraham and Sarah were old, coming out in years, because of the many tribulations they endured, it is still necessary to inform us that 38 years later, Abraham was old, coming out of the year. Go ahead. 
The reason why Abraham was still taking events to heart 30 years later is because the most important events of his life occurred during this period, including the birth of Isaac and the binding of Isaac. Yeah, he had a lot of events, the birth of Isaac, then he had to send away Ishmael from home, then, then the Akedah, the ultimate sacrificing Isaac, and he passed the test, but I'm sure it left a mark on him. That the last minute God told him, hey, don't touch him. God tells him, I never told you to slaughter him, to sacrifice him. I told you to, uh, to put him on the altar. You put him on the altar, thank you very much. Now put him down. Hmm. Lift him up, put him, bring him up to the altar. Like Aliyah, the word Aliyah. You bring him up to the altar. That's it. Nobody else told you anything else. Don't get all worked up. So there was never any intention to sacrifice. Lost in translation, huh? I guess. The question is like, so he... No, he understood. He said, if God God tells you, put him up on the altar, what does this mean? To have a a talk with him? That he understood. That was the test. But later when he asked God, what's going on? That the message Rashi brings it. God told him, I told you to elevate him, put him up on the altar. Thank you. Now take him down. Shine. Pass the test. But you can imagine how he got up and he did it full willingly. But I'm sure it left a mark on him, a big one. Rabbi, you know how many, how many uh, I already seen like in a few movies where they want to make anti-religious argument. They want to say the phrase like, I don't want uh, the God who will tell me to sacrifice uh, my son. This is uh, like uh, just to put it, and you have to follow this. Like, there, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's some people who think not not Jewish, that think he did kill Isaac, and that that's why Jews. Oh, those. Oh, yeah, that's those, why Ishmael. Oh, we are all coming from Ishmael. Yeah, oh, from where we coming? Yeah. If, I, if but Isaac was killed, why Jews are you know they kill their baby. No, but I mean, that's another, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. Actually, actually, the whole idea of, of the of the of the binding of Isaac was God wanted at that time. All the religions, the whole idea of paganism was to sacrifice little children. God wanted to start the religion with a statement that this is unacceptable. That's why he created this whole thing. To make sure this will never happen. That's why God did it. That's one of the explanations. He was But that's an argument. It's not written in the text exactly how old he was. Okay, we are now... The next... Uh, Taking everyday, spirit, everyday spiritual meaning to art. Now, what we, we are going to learn what means Baba Yamim coming in the day in a spiritual sense with the Zohar, our Kabbalah expense, on a much deeper level. Go ahead. And it really co- uh, goes together with this explanation. Based on the Baba explanation, coming up in the years, that the person come into them and was impacted by them, you can better understand the Zohar explanation of expression. The Zohar explains that it means that all of the days of the person's life were completely devoted to divine service without missing a single day. Oh, the Zohar says, well, you know, it came with his days. Literally, it's came with his days. Baba Yami means came with his days. He came with his days in his end. Like, here is my days. What does this mean? You know, there are some days in your life that you say, I'm very glad I spent the day this way. I spent the day with my kids, I spent the day with my in-laws, I spent the day with my friend, I did something very meaningful, I went to synagogue, it was a very meaningful day. From time to time, we have a meaningful, meaningful day. <laughs> they say, I'm very glad that I did it. Abraham was able to count every day and to say every day was utilized. Because a person knows that he's serving God, and he can, he can come, a person when he comes with his day, he comes, he comes to God, he says, God, 
you gave me this amount of days in my life, at least we should be able to say, half of the days we utilize it the right way. Three quarters of the tzaddik, you know what means a tzaddik is? Somebody who is every minute of his day is utilized. Is for good things. No wasting time. If he did it, he made a decision that this is the right thing to do now. Even eating and sleeping. He eats and sleeps because he needs to be able to serve God. He needs to go to go walk because he needs to, to, to be able to, to survive, to live. But everything that he's doing is with, with a clear conscience that he's serving God. And then when he comes with his days, he, came, he literally can bring them in his end. He came with his days, yeah. It is my days. All, you know, when a, per, when a person... Some, you know, sometimes people say to, very often, oh, I have, I, before they die, say, I don't, have to, I don't regret on anything. I did all the right things. First of all, it's a very nice comment. Mm. Only in America I heard that. I never heard from a religious Jew who say, I, will, I don't regret for anything. Mm. I did all the right things. This is such a stupid comment. I cannot even <laughs> tell you. You did all the right things. Who did all the right things in his life? Where, where, is, where is this thing existing? Oh, I'm very happy. I have nothing to regret. Oh, how you have to regret? You don't even know how much you have to regret for stupid things that you did. But people say it. Let them say it. Took his own. But King, but Abraham says, came with his days means he was able to say he has nothing to regret for. Why didn't they say words like that about Moses? It was, it was Moses. They lived all the days of his life. It could be. There's the same similar things. That Moses was 120 years old. He had a complete life. That's the same idea. Yes. Like almost the same as when you say, the more you learn, the more you understand that you know nothing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, the older you get, the more I know how many mistakes I made. Mm. Unless you don't worry about things. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the point. <clears throat> no, then what you, I said before, we shouldn't take things to our heart on a physical level, and material things, but spiritual things we should take to our heart. Then there is certain, God created this thing that you take things to our heart. Depends, depends what you, where you use, what I'm utilizing it for. If I'm utilizing it when my car breaks down and gets all worked up, or I'm utilizing it when I'm, when I'm late to services. You understand? We, or when I'm, what should I get excited? About the game or about learning Torah? Mm-hmm. Oh. No, I'll never forget. I mentioned that, I think. Many, many years ago, I had a class with a bunch of young people, you know, and probably, in any case, they were at the class, and everybody was very quiet. It was outside, it was in the summer. Then they walked in to watch the, the game. <laughs> it was such a transformation. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Suddenly, whoo, what an excitement was there. Was like, everybody was like, woke up from the, was the resurrection of the dead. <laughs> I said, ah, I thought you don't know how to speak. Animal spirits. Exactly. <laughs> then this was Boba Yomim. The problem was that was the, the, the kid, they were coming to today's into the wrong day, into the wrong effect. I mean, nothing, I'm not, nothing against that, but I'm just saying we should get excited. The question is about what and what not to get excited about. Go ahead. Based on the above, the Zohar explanation of coming in here shouldn't uh, be seen as just an illusion. It is based on the literal meaning of the phrase that Abraham didn't have any days that just passed by. He invested himself into every day to serve Hashem every day as required on that specific day. Every day, he didn't allow the day to pass by. Every day was a day. You know, there is a book of, that the Rebbe put together of sayings for every day. And the name of the book is Ayom Yom. You know, we say Ayom Yom Shlishi. Then when the previous Rebbe got the book, he did it in the time of, the, of his father-in-law. He says, Ayom Yom, every day, 
today is the day a day. Every, uh, today is a day. It's like it has to be a yom yom. Today, it's, today is the day, a real day. A person after he, he really put a real good eight hours in a day and he accomplished something good, he says, today I feel satisfied. I feel I accomplished something good. I feel good about myself because I did something meaningful. That's how a person has to live his life. That's how Abraham lived his life. So can, can, you, can one get worked up over the physical things and in the same process serve God? Can, can, can both be, you know, can, can that be, hey, I am really passionate about this issue. I know I'm just getting worked <clears throat> up. A bunch of people disagree, but we have to do it a certain way. And it really doesn't mean anything, you know, a day from now, but it serves God in that you um, are giving people sort of purpose. And, uh, so, you know, and so, uh, in, the, in I, this I game, everybody is just sort of like, I think he said on Valium or Lithium, <laughs> how, how are people to um, have something meaningful? Absolutely, absolutely. You should be walked out for the right things, yes. I, and, and it's not sure that the next day doesn't matter. If it's something you give to people purpose, yeah. it makes a medals in ter- and under this for now. The right things, the, the things that are uh, the, the worthwhile to get. Values, the oh. Hebrew law and all that. Yeah, yeah I mean to say is we should get walked up and things that are worthwhile to get walked up about. Yeah. Not the things that are not worthwhile to get about. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get walked up about something, then you know, a few days later you're embarrassed that you got even upset about that. Made a whole fight and a whole stink. And people looked at you like you fell off from the moon. What is this? I'm a sugar. <laughs> and and that's it should be. We should walk up. We get walked up on things that that's worthwhile to fight about. Yeah, for sure you have to get walked up. God, that's what I'm saying. God put it in our nature. Obviously, it's worth for some. It's good for some. Look, Abraham got walked up about things. And the same thing, King David. And the same thing, <laughs> Jacob. I mean, the whole these people. They were. But it's interesting. The secular world seems to take pride in all the things that are. Not worthy of getting worked up, and they make big entertainment like you know these, these TV shows that you don't care about, like the, the Jersey Shore and the Wives of L.A. The Twelve Sisters, whatever. It is. I mean, it's craziness. You know, it's a new show, Twelve Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so the Mormons that have sixteen wives. Or whatever. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That, do you know why it's in the world, all of these things? The reason, uh, listen, listen, Sheva. You know it's in, this, in the world, these things? To teach us what to really get, get worked up about. I think so. Mm-hmm. I get worked up when I watch the but This is crap, I turn around. <laughs> Go ahead. Meaning, the simple literal meaning of coming of the years is about Abraham's physical life. That uh, the events of every... Every impact Something. The events yeah. uh, 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 impacted him. Every day impacted him. Yeah, the more day is missing. Go ahead. The soccer as the inner dimension to the soccer emphasizes the deeper meaning of Hebrew's life. His spiritual life and divine service. This was Abraham's true life. To use the words of the founder about the outer realm. Life of the holy person isn't the physical life, but the This is a very, very important line that Alter Rebbe wrote. The life of a tzaddik is not the physical life. 
That's not what he ate and drank and slept. That's not, that's not him. His life, what his life is, is the spiritual, spirituality that he gives. Why people are attracted to Atzadi? Because, he, because he's eating, because he's doing some physical things, because of the spirituality that he's projecting. That's what, that's what his life is. Continue. He was living and every day, every day was meaningful, was utilized, was, he looked back at the day and it was another day to get closer to God. He did good in the world. He, is, he inspired people to believe in God. He went around from place to place and he fed them and he encouraged them to believe in God. Every day of Abraham was utilized to do the right thing. But that's what a tzaddik is. Now we are not tzaddikim, but we can try how about five minutes a day, three minutes a day. Then you... He's praying daily you know, huh? Daily prayers, do they count? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. No, no, not only count. That's, that's a part of the, that's how a Jew should start his day. Yes, absolutely. You see, there is, it's interesting to see what people are proud by the end of their life. You know, there was a Senator Lieberman, you know him, right? He wrote a book after he, he retired from politics. What he wrote, that he was the only Shomer Shabbos in the Senate ever. He kept Shabbos. And what was he proud in the end of the day of all his career? He was almost the vice president, yeah? In the end of the day, what better to him? That he was, his, his Yiddishkeit, understand? His Judaism was, was important to him. And I saw it on so many people, big machers and speakers and this. In the end of the day, what is important to him, what's his name? Uh, the radio talk show host, uh, was here. No, well, the guy was here, was speaking. Prager. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager, he took out books about the Bible. And he came here, maybe 15 years ago. I picked him up from the airport. Within two minutes, he told me that he has a weekly Parsha class. And he was so excited about that, that you saw that this is... If you ask him what is really, really, really gets excited, what really is important to him? is He's a talk show, he wrote a million books. I'm telling you, the book that he writes now, he, wrote, he took out a God in the, in the, about the Bible, he wrote books. He's more excited about these books than about everything else. Because in the end of the day, he knows that all the rest is just talking, 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 talk. What is real? What is real? He do something Jewish. Something from the Bible. Learn something from God. And I saw it by many, many people there. When, when they, by the end of their life, I saw there was another famous guy. I made a speech about him. I forgot his name from Boston. Who his, his old company burned down. Oh. And, and he gave, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gave, and he gave a, only, he kept his workers for two years. Yeah, he, he had a, a textile guy. Mm-hmm. I saw an interview a few weeks before he died. He tells the guy that he interviewed him, you know, I built a synagogue here, a beautiful big synagogue. I want you to go to see it. I used to dive in a basement when I was a child. I, told my, I said my grandchildren should not be need to dive. You saw that he takes pride more than everything they accomplished about the Jewish thing that he did. Because ultimately people know where it counts, what is the real thing. And that's what it means in com- coming your days. You know, when somebody dies, you don't say, oh, how many, how many, if he had a Jaguar in his backyard or he had a private plane, because nobody cares. What he did with his time, what he helped others, that's what counts. That needs to come with your days. And the question is, how many days I did meaningful things and how many days I did just things? And that's, that's the direction a person has to think. That's what Abraham is, comes with his days, he came with his days.
in his pocket. He bought a suitcase with days. Not with money, with days. Well, there's also a saying, it's a very common saying in the secular world that, you know, spending time with your, with your family is very important. When people die, this is what they regret. They regret. Yes, you're right. But regretting is one thing, and doing it is another thing. <laughs> And you, but that, that's it. Doesn't have to mean. What I mean to say is meaningful thing. Spending time with your family is also a spiritual thing. It's also a mitzvah. Okay, source number three. Go ahead. The meaning of life. Now we're going to start to speak about Sarah. Until now we spoke about Abraham. Now we're going about Sarah. About Sarah, we see the very similar thing how the Torah describes her life. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Genesis 23, 1. The life of Sarah was 100 years, and 20 years, and 7 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Rashi says the years of the life of Sarah all were identically good. The Rebbe, an entire life. Okay. The text says, said that Sarah, Sarah's life was 127 years. But the way the Torah writes it, what? It's like, it's like she had a hundred years. A hundred years. Yes, segment. The Rashi says, why the Torah said in segment? To say they're all equal. Shnei Chai saw they all were good. They were equally good. When she was seven, she was 20, she was 127, it's all the same thing. All on the same level, so to speak. That's what you're going, and that's the name of the parsha of this week's parsha is Chayi Sarah, the life of Sarah, based on the first line from the, from the parsha. And what does this mean? Now we can start. Our entire life is a single unit. Go ahead. The name of this Torah portion is Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. All of the 127 years of Sarah's life are summarized with this title, the life of Sarah. In the words of Rashi, all of her years are identically good. Mm-hmm. How can all of Sarah's 127 years be lumped together under one title as identical? Identical? 127. When you were seven years old, and you're under 27, you're the same person. Okay. Over the course of these 127 years, there were radically different periods. Certainly, we can't compare the period of Sarah's life in Urkazim and Quran, even though Sarah was occupied with converting women there to believe in God, as Rashi states, to her spiritual status after fulfilling the divine command, go out for yourself from your land to the land I will show you. And then to the apex of her spiritual status, when she heard the binding of the Okay, there is, she was in, she, she grew up, she was born in Ukazdim. Ukazdim is Iraq, as I said, the Chaldean. Chaldean is Chaldean, a place of idol worshippers. And she, she wasn't, but you can, can compare this state of life to after she came to Israel, and after she, in the time by the binding of Isaac, when she heard about the binding, she died because she heard about Isaac was taken to be sacrificed. That's why she died. Then she was on a whole different level. Then you can take 127 years and to say that's all the same. What is this? Every person goes in his spirituality and everything. Okay. This was a complete transformation from one extreme to the other. How then can we summarize all Sarah's 127 years with a single title of... of the life of Sarah. The life of Sarah. 127 years. Two minutes. You're done. What is going on here? Where is the eulogy? Continue. Uh, what do you leave with? Um, the explanation is... What do you leave with? Hi, so Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the explanation is that the life of Sarah refers to the matters with which Sarah lived, the matters <coughs> that energized her. This was identical throughout all the years of her life, and this is why all of her 127 years are given one type. What she lived in, 
Sure, a person has many stages in life. What was important, what was important to her, was important to her when she was seven, when she was 20, when she was 100, when she was 127. What, where she lived, what she got excited about, was every time the same. Go ahead. Even a simple Jew understands that the true content and meaning of Sarah's life didn't lie in matters like eating breakfast or lunch. Um, there weren't the things she lived weren't the things she lived with. These were, weren't the things she lived with. Um, her true life certainly wasn't expressed when she was in the homes of Pharaoh and Abimelech because the fact that great kings uh, praised her beauty and took her for themselves didn't mean anything to her. Moreover, it, uh, it, it caused her indescribable pain and suffering. What business does a Jewish woman have with a non-Jew? And certainly a woman like our matriarch, Sarah. You see what he says here? He says, every person understands that the life of Sarah was not breakfast. Some people wait for supper. <laughs> Once somebody told me, oh, my in-laws, they sit in Florida, and for breakfast, they wait for lunch, and for lunch, they wait for supper. <laughs> That's how he described them in one minute. <laughs> yeah, what was important to her? What she looked forward? Those spiritual things. What got her excited? What, she, what was her life purpose? She, every person has to eat to sleep. The question is if you, you know, you eat to live or you live to eat. That's the bottom line. But it's not about food. It's about everything. Do you live? Do you do the physical thing to have a more spiritual, meaningful life, or you or you live for the for the physical things? That's a question. Okay, continue. The content and meaning of Sarah's life was expressed on the matters Rashi specifies in our Torah portion: candles burning from one Friday to the next, a blessing in her dough, and a protective cloud of the divine presence hovering over her tent. These three matters represent the three commandments that are unique to Jewish women. Okay. What was Sarah known for? Sarah was used to light candles on Friday night. She was the first Jewish woman who lit candles. Jewish women light candles for 4,000 years. It's unbelievable <laughs> if you think about that. And they will continue forever until Moshiach comes. And, and after Moshiach comes. Then she lit a candle Friday night. And she lit the candle. It was burning miraculously until the next Friday night. And why, and, why, and why it stopped the next Friday night? Because God wanted to give her the opportunity to make another mitzvah. That's what the Rebbe says. Then she was lighting, the, that's one mitzvah. Lighting candles is the mitzvah entrusted to the Jewish woman. It does mean if the woman is not home, the man has to light the candles. But if the, if the woman is home, she has to light the candles. Then the other mitzvah is the blessing in the door. It represents the kitchen. Kosher, the loss of kosher. Who runs the kitchen? Who, who decides if the house will be kosher or not? That's the woman. And, and the third mitzvah is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, it was a, cloud in top of her tent that represents the Om, the mitzvah that connected the Om is the family purity mitzvah, the mitzvah of mikveh. That are the three mitzvahs. Then, what was the life of Sarah? These three mitzvahs were the life of Sarah. And she was young girl, and more older, and older, always. And that's what he say. In these things, nothing changed over the 127 years. When you touch him, what's really is important to him? That's the things that are important to him. It's like we know, we see it now, the Jews, there is a huge awakening among Jews because of anti-Semitism all going on in Israel. Then you see in the end of the day what really tortures at you. All the politics it is. When he really cannot sleep. 
Now when you read the news, you can't sleep. Because really, it's, that's really what's important to you. That was what was important to Sarah, really. Yeah, she did many other things, but that wasn't important. This explains, go ahead. This explains how all of Sarah's life can be summarized with one title. Over all the years of Sarah's life, throughout all the different circumstances she found herself in, the core value that she lived with was constant. The true meaning of her life always was <coughs> burning from one side of the next, a blessing in her dough, and a protective cloud of the divine presence hovering over her head. The three pillars every Jewish home stands on. The three pillars every Jewish home stands for, stands up, is kosher, family purity, and lighting candles. That's what, that's what the Jewish home is all about. Okay, go ahead. What is the focal point of my life? During the lesson we learned from the Torah portion of Hayi Saram, every Jewish woman is those that grew up from Jewish observance know that her ancestors was matriarch Sarah. It's clear to all, even to non-Jews, that the purpose of Sarah's life didn't lie in the matters that were of the greatest importance to the non-Jewish women in the kingdom of Pharaoh and Abimelech. To this woman, the most important thing was wearing a beautiful dress and very high heels like Sarah, but contrast found her purpose in her Shabbat candles and other mitzvot. It means to say, it's not that she was not wearing a nice dress, Sarah. Sarah was beautiful. She not means that she didn't wear high heels. Yes. But that was not her life. That was not the most important thing. Go ahead. This is a clear directive to every Jewish woman that as a daughter of Sarah, the core of her life should be the free pillar of Sarah's life. Candles burning from one Friday to the next, referring to Shabbat candles. A blessing in her dough, referring to the laws of kosher food, and protective cloud of the divine presence hovering over her tent, referring to the laws of family, purity, and modesty. Yeah, these are the three things that makes a difference. And that's what a, a Jewish woman should be concentrating. And the Jewish men about their mitzvahs had the same message. Go ahead. Even the woman had a time during which she was lacking in this respect and not living like Sarah. She can change this and elevate herself to the level of conduct of Sarah. Oh, even you didn't live like Sarah every day of your life, you can change it. It's always have time. As long as you're alive, you can change. You can become better <coughs> human beings. <Right>. Okay. <laughs> fixing the past, the rabbi. Oh, fixing the past. Hi, psychiatrist. Yeah. Fixing the past. I just land on me. <laughs> Influencing others. It's divine providence. I didn't plan it. Not only is it possible to change one's conduct in the future, it is even possible to repair the past conduct. This can be achieved by acting with love for fellow Jews and influencing another Jewish woman to improve on her past conduct. Okay, okay. here is something very important. You know, people come to Jewish life later in life. And give you an example, for example, family purity. It's very important that a child that was born, the Rebbe once asked a few people when the kids were sick and he wanted to pray for them. He says, I need to know if this child was born after the mother went to mikveh, was created after the mother went to mikveh or before. When was, uh, and, uh, and people many times, they, they found Judaism later in life. The Rebbe used to say two things. By here, going to the mikveh later in life can have an effect. You see, children born from mikveh are, according to Judaism, are healthier physically 
emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. They connect more to Judaism, stronger. I think one of the reasons why in Israel there is such a strong religious awakening in general is because many, 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 many women go to the mikveh. It's much more common than in America. Now, what if I didn't go? People didn't go to the mikveh. They didn't, know, they, they didn't even know they're Jewish. How much more they didn't know about mikveh? The Rebbe says, going later in Judaism, we can fix the past. That's the power of Judaism. That's the amazing thing about Tshuva. You can fix the past. That by going to the mikveh later, you can affect your health of your children. In your spirituality, sometimes you see your children doesn't connect to Judaism. It's like he doesn't want to resent it. When you go to the mikveh, Hashem will help you that suddenly it starts to click. They connect to it. Then, then the second thing what the Rebbe said is, is to influence another person and a mitzvah that I was short on. I was short on lighting candles. I was short on putting on film. I was short on something. <clears throat> when I influence somebody else, it affects me too. That's how I correct my past. Then coming with our days, person says, yeah, you met me when I was 75 years old. Oh, wait, too late. First of all, it's too late, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, I can fix my past. That's, that's not too late. In Judaism, it's never too late. I can go, I can change the recording from the past, not just from the future. That's the amazing thing about it. In Torah, in Torah, in Torah, or the Alter Rebbe quotes, the Zohar's teachings on the words, Abraham was old, coming on in years, in these elevated days. This means that all days, this means that all days need to be complete, elevated. This raises the question, what are we to do with the days that were spent in negative circumstances, similar to the period that Sarah spent in the homes of Pharaoh and Abimelech? Yeah, when Sarah was in the home of Pharaoh and Abimelech, it was not an exciting event, right? It was a negative day. What do you do with this day? You say you have to come it every day. What do you do with this day? Spend too late. You spend them in a negative way. You spend them in a negative way. What do you do? The answer is... The answer is that when we act with love for our fellow Jews and influence those who are in an undesirable state to correct their ways, God acts with us measure for measure. In reaction to this, God will repair and complete all past deficiencies. As our sages say, you restore the soul of the poor person, I will restore your soul. Measure for measure. Oh, I see. So this is a very, we spoke about it quite a few times. Measure for measure is that's the way our God goes business with humanity. When I got, the, that's a, a quote from the Talmud. You restore this, you give some bread to somebody that you restore, you, you save his life, God will save your life. I do for another Jew, bring him to Judaism, God will say, I'll, I'll, fix, I'll fix your past. God will fix your past too. Then by that time, if you influence a lot of people, and in, in, in people in a good way, it's affecting not only your future, but also your past. And suddenly when you look back, the past looks better. That's, that's the power of, 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 uh, of tshuva. I didn't read the right. Measure for measure is a mode of conduct that is a logical imperative. Should the judge of the entire world not act justly? A measure for measure is a must being that if, if, I'm wrong, if, if I'm nice to you, you're nice to me. That's how God created the system. If I do something for another person, for God's child, God will do it for me. I, I look at some, another person positively, God will look at me positively. It's all measure for measure. We see it everywhere in the Torah. So it kind of goes with last week. If you pray for someone else, yes, beautiful. You get it back in your. You know, thank you, you thank you, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, what? Uh, you beat me to the punch. I was thinking that same thing. I'm yes. going to say that. <clears throat> yes, and this is a letter from the Rebbe. Then that's 
You write as though this cannot be rectified, which is contrary to the fundamental principle of our Holy Torah, that nothing can stand in the way of repentance. Most importantly, it is clear that the way to rectify a negative is through something positive, good and holy, and not, God forbid, by another negative matter of sadness, or worse, despondence. This is completely out of the question. What you should do practically is try to explain the laws of family purity to your friends and others in your area. You see what's going on here? Two things I want to tell you. There is a story about... You know, there is the... the they asked... The, the, what was the name of the, of the ambassador to Israel during the time of Trump? Friedman, right? Right? No. no, not Moshe, no. Alan Friedman, I think. Friedman. He was just on TV. He was just on TV. In any yeah, case, he, he asked, he was asked, you know, he goes a lot, he studies at the Chabad Rabbi for many years before he became an um, ambassador. And he goes a lot to the Rebbe's grave site, to the oil, to pray. And in one event, he brought him, I think, to his Chabad house in, uh, in uh, five towns. He told me the story. He his wife is Miriam's cousin, and I talked to him. At one point, I thought maybe I'll be able to bring him here, and I talked to him because he's the most connected. He tells me, <laughs> too complicated to bring him, he's too famous. Mm-hmm. In any case, and I asked him, what, what it gives you going to the oil? Tell me, tell us what it, it says. Even you know, before you go to, the, to pray to the Rebbe's gravesite, you write a note. You write, what is his name? David Freeman. thank you. You write a note. And you, for all you pray, all you, what you need, and then you read it by the Rebbe's gravesite, and you tear it, and you leave it there. And he says, just writing the note forces me to organize my priorities. What's most important? What's secondary? What's third? What's fourth? You understand? Because now you're asking for your prayer. You're coming to the Rebbe, you, the Rebbe asks when the Rebbe to pray, and you behave to God. What's more, most important to you? You know, we're running around the whole day, everything is important. Then say, one, 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 one second. Tell me what's number one, what's number two, what's number three. This is the, the, what you learn about Chayi Sorrow. That's what the life of Sarah is all about. Yeah, she did many things. She went to many places. She ran around. But what was the, the, the priorities never changed in Sarah's life? It was always the three meets the idea of serving God. That was the real priorities. Then she did many things. She had to go to many places and attend many dinners and do many events, many fundraising. All good and fine. What was was important to her, and that's what a person, that's what really prayers is giving to us. The prayers is a time to think and to organize our thoughts and to realize what is important, what is really important to us. If a person comes and tells us, okay, you know, I heard once from a guy who was teaching our public speaking. He said like this, Think if you have a minute, what do you want to tell the, con- the people? What's more important? What's the most important line? Now you have two minutes. Hmm. Now you have three minutes. Now you have four minutes. That's how you build your speech. Not that I do it this way, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> but the idea is true. The idea is what, what is most important, what is secondary? Your children, your family is the most important thing. Next to it is this. Next to it is this. 
That's how you organize your life. And that's what Sarah was. The life of Sarah, the important thing that was important to Sarah was the things that were connected to God. Thank you very much, my friend.